Welcome to the podcast with all your mind, hosted by me, Rachel Grimm. We're here to help understand the Bible with cultural and historical context, linguistic info, and other cool stuff. Enjoy. All right, good afternoon, guys. I am taking two or three for this episode because I keep on just starting to talk about it and then going so far off track. When I recorded it last time, I ended up talking about camping for five minutes and I realized, um, I, I, I better start over again. So, hey, good afternoon, guys. Welcome. This is Rachel. We're doing With All Your Mind. And today's topic is Lord. We're going through a little bit of a series on the names and titles of God, and I'm really excited to get to some other stuff um, in the next episode or two. But today, we're setting ourselves up um, to understand that further stuff with the name and the title, Lord, because if you've read your Bible lately, you know that that word appears two different ways in the Bible. There's the uppercase Lord, and there's the lowercase Lord. And you probably know that there's a difference, but it might be hard to keep track of what it is and why it matters. So that's what we're going to go over today. All right. So Lord and Lord, we're going to, because we're not, um, I don't have a whiteboard that you can see and I'm, uh, we're just talking about spelling differences here or not even spelling. It's just uppercase and lowercase. Um, I'm going to refer to them as Big Lord and Little Lord. Big Lord is the all uppercase or all caps or whatever you want to call it. All capitalized, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, Lord. That's I'm going to call that Big Lord. The other one is capital L, lowercase O-R-D. I'm just going to call that one Little Lord. And I might switch it up here and there, but I'll try and keep it consistent. And if it gets confusing for you, one way that I try and keep keep it straight is I look at a wall or imagine a whiteboard and I'm going to write Lord, Big Lord, on the left side. So if you imagine a wall, I have a brick wall in my living room and that's what I'm looking at. So Lord is on the left side of my brick wall and then Little Lord is going to be on the right side of my brick wall or mental whiteboard. So if that helps you out at all, try that. If not, please forget what I just said. All right, so we're going to talk about Big Lord first. Big Lord, all uppercase or all caps, is the name of our God. And we talked about Big Lord a little bit in the last episode, how that is Yahweh or Jehovah. We're just going to talk about that a little bit more and kind of flesh it out a bit. It's the name used throughout the Old Testament to refer to Yahweh or Jehovah. Because that's his name. you got to use somebody's name when you're referring to them. And it is very often in the Old Testament. It is used 6,000 times in the Old Testament. I don't know what the most common word is in the Old Testament. It's probably and or the or in. <laughs> but uh, Big Lord would rank up there with most common words in the, in the Old Testament. It first appears in Genesis 2 because uh, the word God in Genesis 1 is our word Elohim, which we talked about in the last episode. So remember, we're going to, so we're expanding on the names and titles of God. So I'm just going to review each time we mention 
a name or title that we've already talked about. So Elohim is in Genesis 1, and it is the more general word for God, and it just means God. It is a oh, a Semitic word meaning spiritual being. It often refers to God, but it can also refer to another spiritual being, and it is plural. So Elohim, um, you can nitpick whether that's just grammar or um, referring to the Trinity in Genesis 1 or referring to something else. We're not getting into that, but Elohim, general word for spiritual being, and God is a spiritual being. So whether you want to think of it that way or not, it's still accurate, right? So it's just God. It's very general. Lord, big Lord, that appears in Genesis 2, we're starting to get to know this God more. It is Yahweh or Jehovah. Um, and it's used in the Bible to refer to God because it's his name. So we don't refer to other gods by Yahweh or big Lord. It's just for our God. We don't know how to pronounce this name, Yahweh or Jehovah. That's our best guess because the pronunciation for um, that word, that name, the Tetragrammaton, uh, the YHVH, all of that, we don't know how to pronounce it because the pronunciation was lost sometime around the Babylonian captivity. Um, so you might wonder, well, can't we... I mean, don't we at least know some way of pronouncing it? Well, here's a, here's some language facts for you. Hebrew does not have written vowels. The whole language is written out with consonants. There are vowel markers that you can put in as kind of a secondary thing. Um, kind of like uh, punctuation in texting. You can use it or not, not use it. We still know what you're talking about. In Hebrew, um, and, and the way that the Old Testament was written, there were no vowel markings. Uh, so you could read the words, but you needed context. And if it was a name, unless it was a very common name, you might not know how to pronounce it. So when people debate um, what this word means or what that word means in the Old Testament in Hebrew... Um, it's a legit problem because they might not even know what vowels to put in for that word. Don't let that weird you out because there are other languages that do the same thing. Other Semitic languages do the same thing. And we can actually do the exact same thing in English because our brains, the human brain is just wired to understand communication or at least make good guesses about it. Uh, a really good example of that is um, there used to be a, I think it was like a Facebook post or something like that. It was probably on Facebook, you know, everything is, about how you can rearrange the letters in a word, and as long as the first letter is right and the last letter is right, you can pretty much, you can read the word. So there was this text, a little sample, like a little paragraph, and the text said something along the lines of, I'm sure you'll be surprised that you can read this. That's what it was. And uh, it might surprise you more that, you know, exactly what I just said, that um, it doesn't matter how a word is spelled. As long as the first and last letters are right, you can read it. And it's true. Our brains can kind of unscramble words on the fly. 
and we can read stuff like that. So with Hebrew, you can kind of do the same thing without vowels. You can just look at a word and know what it means. And it makes sense within Hebrew, within the structure of the language and how words are written. So it's not so random. But our, our brains are made to do that. So with the name Yahweh or Jehovah or the YHVH, there are no vowels in there. And because it wasn't pronounced for a long time, the pronunciation was forgotten. And there's no good way to know it because their vowels were never written down in the first place. So you can see it's a little bit easier to forget a pronunciation of a word in Hebrew than it might be in English. Now, why did they stop saying it? I said that it was because the name was considered uh, so holy that it was better just to not pronounce it. Um, in modern Israel, or in modern Jews in orthodoxy, they still don't say the name of God, and they don't write it down either. Um, people, orthodox Jews will often say Hashem instead of the name of God, and that just means the name meaning, you know, you know whose name I'm talking about, instead of saying the actual name. So they, they did this just to stay away from uh, even getting close to breaking the laws of the Torah, the Ten Commandments. And this happened around the Babylonian captivity, because as you can imagine, um, you can get a little legalistic after you've been severely punished for something, right? So Israel, or Judah, was sent away captive to Babylon in 586 BC. The temple was destroyed. Uh, the, the palace was destroyed. All of Jerusalem just decimated, right? And they were sent away. And this was the first time that Judah had been completely conquered. And they just didn't even think it was possible. But they knew it was because of their idolatry and their breaking of the covenant with God. They knew exactly why it happened, and it just horrified them. And it was just this incredibly traumatic event to the Jewish people. And they didn't want to get anywhere close to breaking the law again. And in the Ten Commandments, one of the laws was, do not take the name of your God in vain, meaning don't make flippant oaths or promises. God didn't want his name thrown around in people promising each other things and then breaking their promises. But what they did was they padded that law and made it, okay, let's not use his name in flippant promises or oaths. Let's not use his name in every conversation. You know what? Let's just not say his name at all. And that's how it ended up being. And... So it's, it's legalism that <laughs> we forgot God's name through legalism. So let's not do that, okay? So the, eventually the name was just written and never spoken and the pronunciation was lost. So there are decent guesses based on grammar and other names that might follow an identical pattern. And so the names we have are Jehovah and Yahweh. Uh, they're, they're just pretty good guesses. Yahweh or Jehovah. What is it? What does it mean? Where did it come from? God gave us that name. The general meaning is the existing one. It's, it comes from the verb to be, as in I am, he is, she was, they are, to be. 
but it's not a normal form of that verb. And the best we can do is to say that it means the one who is or the existing one. We talked about this a lot more in the last episode about how it might be a portmanteau of I was, I am, I will be. So that's a very good way to remember what it possibly might mean or the general meaning of Yahweh is that it's, it reflects God's eternality and omnipresence. But it's not a normal name. Um, it's not, it, it doesn't have a clear um, basis in, say, these two other words were put together. But it has a very cool meaning, or at least very cool sense to it, because we don't know the exact meaning, but it has a very cool sense to it that um, God is the eternal one, the existent one. And it even speaks to his presence that it's like, I am who I am. That's a different phrase. It's not his name. I am who I am. It, it's saying, I just exist. I just am. When you say that about something, it talks about its um, impermeability. Like you just can't defeat it because you, it just is. You can't beat something like that. Um, some other phrases or terms that get thrown around with that name, the Yahweh, Jehovah, or Big Lord, are the Tetragrammaton, which in Greek just means the four-letter name. <laughs> uh, the full phrase is the Nomen Tetragrammaton, but it's just a very fancy phrase to say the four-letter name. They came up with another nickname for it because they didn't know how to pronounce it. Big Lord, all caps. Tetragrammaton, Yahweh, Jehovah, all the same thing. All of that is a name. So we just want to keep that straight. That's all on the left side of our wall or your mental whiteboard. Yahweh, Jehovah, Big Lord, a name. Okay. And the, the sense to the name is the existing one, which can give you different little nuances of eternality, of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's kind of like you can't be defeated, um, undefeatable maybe, um, indestructibility might be a good one. That's what I think of when I think of I am who I am or the existent one is that you can't get away with something. You can't get rid of something that is the existent one. It just sounds impossible. So we're going to move on to our little Lord. And this is a different word altogether. It's not like it's just capitalized and then lowercase and we're supposed to know that that means something different. No, it's an entirely different word. And we're going to lump together the Greek and the Hebrew for little Lord because they mean the exact same thing. Um, in Hebrew, it's broken up apart into three different ways that you can write it to mean three different people. Um, but that's added in later. Um, pronunciation is a little bit different, but it gets a little bit too technical. And when I tried to think of how to explain it, I was just like, you know what? If you want more information, just send me a message and I'll write it out for you. But it's too much to talk about in a podcast when you're talking about vowel markings in another language over a podcast. I don't want to do that to you guys, so I'm not going to. So little Lord... Um, and we're going to, again, lump together the Hebrew and the Greek. This is a title, right? It's a title in Hebrew and in Greek. It's Adonai, 
or Adoni. See, I'm already doing it. I'm already talking about the different pronunciations. We're going to stick with Adonai. <laughs> and in Greek, Kyrios. They are little lord. It has a couple of different maybe connotations depending on how you use it or maybe levels of respect. But it means lord or master or just more simply sir um, because it's generally a term of respect. And how much respect is attributed to it is how we might uh, translate it into English. So if we mean ultimate respect, you are God and I am giving you all my respect, we say Adonai. If, and that is the word in Hebrew, but you know that's what Adonai means. It means you're my master. If we are a slave and we're talking to our master, we would say, we could still use this Lord, but in modern Hebrew, you can still use this same word, Adon, uh, just to mean sir. So it's respectful. And that is the main point of this title, is that it's respectful title to address somebody with, without needing to use their name. So you can refer to different people using this word. It does not always definitely uh, refer to God. Big Lord, Yahweh, Jehovah is his name. It's always referring to God. There's no question. It's his name. Of course, it's referring to him. But Little Lord, Adonai or Kyrios, and it's spelled slightly differently in Hebrew, depending on who you're referencing, that can refer to anybody. It can refer to God. I can refer to, well, I'll go through some examples here. So I'm skipping over all those little different Hebrew spellings that can change who it's referring to. If you want more information, and maybe I'll put some in the show notes, let me know if you want it because I'm not going to just throw it out there. It's a little bit too much. So I'm going to give you some examples now of how these different names and titles are used in the Bible. Okay. So Big Lord, which is Yahweh or Jehovah, is used all through the creation story in Genesis because it's God doing the creating. Uh, Little Lord, this one's Adonai, is in Exodus 4 uh, when God comes to Moses in the burning bush and tells Moses to go back to Egypt. And Moses starts, you know, hedging a little bit and basically arguing with God and see, do you really think that's a good idea? And God shows Moses all these miracles, like turning his staff into a serpent. And Moses says, oh, my Lord, I'm not eloquent. And basically, ah, I don't talk well. Can you please make it someone else? And he says, oh, my Lord, that is a small Lord, which means he's using a term of respect. Moses already would have known the name of God. Um, actually, debatably, because he has to ask, what's your name? But he's using a term of respect. He's just saying, you know, I'm not arguing with you, but I just don't even really know you here. Then he, a few verses later, he says, Oh, my Lord, please send by the hand of whomever else you may send. So he's again using a term of respect, the best term of respect that he knows how to use. That's what he's using. Uh, so he's arguing with God, but he's trying to be really respectful while he's doing it, which... I don't know what that says about Moses. <laughs> um, yeah. All right. In Genesis 44, we have little Lord, but referring to a person. 
And this is where Joseph, it's Joseph in Egypt and his brothers have come down to get grain. And he's testing his brothers to see if they've changed since they were uh, murderous jerks to him. And he's hidden his special cup in their feed sacks as they were about to leave for home and then had them brought back and accused them of stealing it. So all through this passage, his brothers call him Lord and Joseph's servants call him Lord. They're not calling him God, obviously, though, well, it's debatable if you if you think he would have gotten the term from his servants because, uh, well, just the Pharaoh was considered a god. I doubt his second-hand man would have been considered god. But we know at least that Joseph's brothers were calling him Lord, Little Lord, just as a term of respect because this man could kill them or put them in jail or, you know, whatever else he wanted to do because he was second in charge in Egypt powerful position, term of respect. Joseph's servants were Egyptian, and they were calling him Lord too. They were probably speaking in Egyptian, and this was written in Hebrew, just saying they were using a term of respect, and so it was written Lord. And then in the New Testament, we can use little Lord to refer to God and to people. I'm not having any special examples in there, but that moves on to something different that I'm going to go into next. Um, so, going back to Big Lord. Big Lord used 6,000 times just in the Old Testament and only in the Old Testament. It is the YHVH, the Tetragrammaton, a Hebrew word for a Hebrew God. Right? It is not a term of respect, it's a name. And it's only used in the Old Testament. The little Lord, Adonai, and Kyrios are used about a thousand times. So 6,000 for big Lord, a thousand times for little Lord. It's way less. And I think about 600 plus times of that are in the New Testament. So it's not used nearly so much in the Old Testament. I was curious about this. Okay, big Lord is only found in the Old Testament. And I tried to figure out why, and I found a few different little details here and there. Um, some of them are super practical. This is a Hebrew name that we don't know how to pronounce. How exactly would you choose to translate that into Greek? <laughs> it's kind of hard because you wouldn't even know what to write down because there's no pronunciation for it. So that might be why it's not in the New Testament. but. New Testament writers quote from the Old Testament, and when they quote from the Old Testament, they're often using the Septuagint to quote from, which was the Greek version of the Old Testament. The Greek version of the Old Testament used Kyrios to write out Big Lord. This is where I am like, oh, I don't know how to explain this to you guys. So on your on your <laughs> on your whiteboards on the left side, Big Lord. It's Yahweh or Jehovah. And then on the right-hand side is Little Lord, which is Kyrios and Adonai, which is the term of respect. When we get into the New Testament, Little Lord isn't just a term of respect anymore. We also use it to mean God, to mean Yahweh or Jehovah. So when we get to the New Testament, it's just smushed together 
and it's just one word, not one word with different ways to capitalize it. One word. We only see the two different versions in the Old Testament. Why? Like I said, maybe because they didn't know how to write it, and so they didn't. They just used curios. That's a pretty simple explanation, um, and sometimes all we need is a simple explanation. But also in the New Testament, there were a lot of other ways that God was referred to that we don't see so much in the Old Testament. Some of those examples are, in the Old Testament, we have Elohim for God. In the New Testament, we have Theos in Greek for God, and that's used a lot. So sometimes they just use the word God. Also, the term God the Father is used much more often in the New Testament rather than just God or his name or even Lord. So we have different reasons for maybe why Yahweh, big Lord, wasn't used in the New Testament. Practical reasons, there's more variety of terms to use for him. But when I realized that Yahweh wasn't used in the New Testament, I kind of got really concerned for God. I was like, don't you want the Gentiles to know your name too? I'm like, I don't want you to be forgotten about God. What's going on here? Now I'm going to get into something else here that's really interesting. Um, because that seems like a big problem. And um, here's something that I found out when I was researching this is that And you've probably heard this mentioned, but maybe you didn't realize what a big deal it was. And that is that names in Near Eastern culture are a big deal, like a really big deal. Like what you are named either blesses you or dooms you. Like, yuck, you're you're definitely just going to have a horrible life if you have that name. Or you're definitely going to be blessed if you have that name. And uh, the names of gods were also, you know, in the same way, very important. And one thing that I read about, and this is again in my little, it's not exactly a pocket dictionary, the Dictionary of Deities and Demons in the Bible. Remember I mentioned that beautiful title? And and I'm sure you don't have this lying around on your coffee table at home. Neither do I. Have no fear. I have a digital version. My husband bought it for me. It was one very nice present. Um, So in there, it was talking about the names of gods that have been lost And one other, there's another Canaanite god that had his name lost, and it was a big deal. It was like, oh my gosh, his people forgot his name. And it was kind of like this omen or this problem that if your name was forgotten, your power was lost. And there's, there's this huge kind of just whole study of names in Near Eastern um, culture and religion and whatnot about the power of names and how names can be changed and it can be a rite of passage or signifying something special. And so you can kind of think about this with God and his titles and his names. I, you know, It's not exactly a rite of passage, but it might be a rite of passage for the person giving that name that they have come through something. Um, just tidbits to think about. But basically, there's just this whole area of study about names in Near Eastern religion and culture and history and all this stuff. And you can just dive way deep into this stuff. And I was just like, I can't. No. There's even something called name theology, which is adjacent, but not exactly what we're talking about. I started reading about that and I was just like, nope, nope, nope. I can't even get into that. So anyway, back to my point. 
the names of people are very important and to have your name forgotten is a very horrible thing that's kind of where we get this um, significance that oh we have to pass down our family name right um, it's important in some families other families not so much but it seems like in a lot of families that's pretty important it was even way more important in biblical times that not your family name but just your personal name and you never wanted people to forget you or your name and um, so it's a little is it ironic or is it something different that God's name is basically forgotten and I had to think about that for like a couple of weeks of what does it mean that his name is basically forgotten and like with everything that God does, I'm not willing to put past him irony and humor and just almost sarcasm, but not because there's a bitter edge to sarcasm. So with God, I don't, I, this is a total guess. I'm just throwing this out there. If it sticks, let it stick. If it doesn't, don't worry about it. But basically, wouldn't it be up God's alley? Wouldn't it be like him? to let his name be forgotten and then kind of shrug his shoulders and be like not a big deal i'm still here i'm still the existent one and that's the only really good explanation i can have for how his name is basically unknown to us and he didn't even care to put it into the new testament he's like you know what else it's okay i am not bound to my name um, I am more powerful than words and names and language. And you don't even need to remember my exact name. I am not insecure about it. Uh, I'm not worried about it. And it's not going to lessen who I am or my power. That's my main takeaway with that. I don't know if that does anything for you. So that's my explanation for why Yahweh isn't in the New Testament. The very practical explanation that it's an unpronounceable name or we forgot the pronunciation and so who even knows how we would have written it. But the other thing, it seems like God. It seems like the God I know that would say, it's okay. I'm cool with it. You don't need to remember it. And it also reflects how God is willing to be talked about, written about, uh, remembered by fallible humans that can't even remember his name. There's a certain, oh, I really want to talk about this at some point in greater depth, but there's something about the humility of God that he's willing to be constrained by language so that we can understand him. And he is willing to just submit himself to our puny brains and be like, you know, if that's all that you can understand about me, it's cool. Like there's just, ugh, I love it. All right. I think that's about all I have for you guys. Um, like I said, if you want more information, uh, send me a message, but yeah, that's about all we have. Big Lord and little Lord getting a little messy in there, but I hope you learned something and I really look forward to seeing you next time. We have more good stuff coming up. Have a good one, guys. I'll talk to you later. Bye.